This is the Mount Zion Memorial Fund podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Evans. The Mount Zion Memorial Fund is focused on the inclusive, responsible practices of memorialization and historic preservation in the African-American community. And I'm here today with Gabriel Soria. And if I say your name wrong, bop me on the head, would you? Actually, you got it correct, Soria. That's great. Yay! <laughs> so uh, I invited Gabe, Gabe today. Do you like to be called Gabe or Gabriel? Uh, Gabriel's fine. Okay. So I invited Gabriel today because he has done this uh, the significant work on locating Reuben Lacey and his final resting place and uh, has made a significant con contribution to um, African-American history, specifically related to uh, destroying some of the myths and the incorrect um, historical presentations that are often made about this very important blues artist. So um, I'd love to hear your story and tell me how you got started on this path and why, why him? Well, um, I uh, became uh, interested uh, as a young man uh, in, in playing acoustic blues. And I was swept up in the blues revival of the 90s um, and uh, a lot of Robert Johnson, a lot of old re older artists were being presented to this new generation. And I was part of that. And uh, I started to look into their influences and uh, as I looked at Sun House, uh, he mentioned Reuben Lacey. So I had a book called The Blues Who's Who, which was uh, written, which was, uh, I believe, uh, authored by Shannon Harris mm -hmm. was his name. And um, I noticed that Rube Lacey was from uh, was last seen in Ridgecrest when I looked him up which is a desert community, maybe about an hour and a half away from me out here in California. I was really shocked. So I called up, um, so I looked up Shannon Harris and he lived in New York at the time. And uh, he pretty much guided me through this process. And um, he told me to uh, go ahead and look, look in my city, see if he moved here. And I did. And I looked around the time of his death and I found him in the city directory. Oh, so I, yeah, I, I found him in the city directory and he only lived maybe about 15 minutes away from my house. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he lived maybe about two blocks away from where we were playing. It was just really, uh, he, he lived in a, in what was called the um, Southeastern community. And that was the African-American part. And historically, it was um, planned as the African-American part of the city when they had segregation. And um, at this time, it was a mixed neighborhood of Hispanic and uh, Black Americans and in different groups. Uh, so, um, so from that point, um, I went to the house and when I went to his house, I seen a uh, a small, like, two-bedroom, one-bathroom house that he lived in. And there was a family next door, and this lady came out. And I told her what I was doing. I was looking for Rue Blasey. She said, well, that's my stepfather. He married my mother. 
her her name the lady who came out of the house was named Naomi Brown she's the daughter of uh, Rue Blasey's wife uh, who's in the photo with him uh-huh. and uh, in Ridgecrest so she was from Bakersfield and Rue Blasey came and he preached in Bakersfield and he uh, preached at a church that was maybe about two blocks away from his house. And he was preaching in this area to the African-American community that had uh, moved out to California. Uh, and um, so, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Was he a preacher before he came to California or did he become a preacher after he got to California? He was a preacher before, so apparently he, uh, um, I, I I guess he got some information from the church or he was called out here to California. So he was able to um, come out here. He came out through the Baptist church and uh, he was in Ridgecrest initially and he came to Bakersfield to a bigger community and uh, he was a, a preacher at one of the churches um, here in Bakersfield. And he also preached throughout the Central Valley, which is a farming community. Uh-huh. So everybody was uh, out like here. All the way up, is that like all the way up to Merced? Right. So we're about 100 miles north of uh, Los Angeles. And we're in the Central Valley of California. Uh, so we're there's farm fields all around this. We're popular for it. Uh, Cesar Chavez had a lot of his marches here. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of people found work in agriculture or some of the manufacturing that went along with farming. So uh, he was going along to these communities and uh, where people had moved and he was preaching in the Baptist churches. Oh, wow. So when did he leave the blues? I mean, did he continue to play the blues out there or by that time had he completely abandoned playing the blues? He had stopped playing the blues. He was singing, and um, uh, there's recordings of him singing. I, I believe they made some in Ridgecrest. Um, and there's recordings of him. Uh, there's some sides that he made. I've, I've never found them. And I know that he sang uh, at church. There was, a, um, there was a professor who came and researched his preaching styles, and... Um, uh, he published a book, and in that book, um, he talks about how he preached, and he does a study of him, and uh, what his preaches uh, meant, what, what his sermons meant. Um, so he was singing at that time, too. So he, he I, I, gospel or country? He was singing gospel. He was singing okay. gospel, right? Okay. I don't think he was playing a guitar at that time. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so anyway, so uh, back to Naomi Brown. So she told me that uh, she was the daughter and uh, she told me uh, a little that that he did preach at the church. She told me about the church, told me that he lived there and that he died, uh, that he passed away there. Uh, but, but she didn't tell me anything else. And I looked at the obituary. So I went to uh, the library and I looked at the obituary. The obituary said that he was shipped to... Uh, he was sent back to Tallahassee, Mississippi. And um, I, I seen that he had family in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So I called them and I was able to find his sister. 
she was in her 80s and his daughter that were still living in Los Angeles. I talked to his sister mm -hmm. and um, she told me some interesting things about growing up with him. But um, she told me that he would sing on the fence in front of the family's house and people would walk by and he would sing for the family. So she remembered him doing that. And um, I asked her about Sun House and Charlie Patton. She didn't know who uh -huh. they were um, at the time. Um, and uh, she told me uh, that he died here in Bakersfield. And she told, and he was buried without a tombstone. Oh, wow. And this is kind of, I'm going to say this. This is what she, this was her account. Because we have two different families here, and I don't want to disrespect one family or the other, but this was her account to me that uh, he he was supposed to be uh, sent back to Mississippi, but what they did is that they uh, decided to bury him here. That her family, and the cemetery was maybe about three blocks away from their house uh -huh. he was living so they buried him here um she told me that when they got the news they drove up to bakersfield uh from los angeles and uh, they came to the house and uh you know people were in the house and uh, they had uh, they had met there and they were grieving and uh, mm -hmm. she told me that when he died he was preaching in a town called Corcoran at a Baptist church there. Corcoran's a farming community in, I believe, Kings County, which is um, about 140 miles north of Los Angeles in between Bakersfield and Fresno. And he was preaching at this community and he stood up and I guess uh, there were several preachers there preaching that day and he got up and his last sermon was called mean mixed up world hmm. so he preached the sermon this is 1969 this is november 1969 so we could think about all the events that were going on and surely he was inspired uh, by that sermon and he preached it and he went back to sit down with the rest of the preachers the other ones got up and he fell ill then in Corcoran. So he went to the hospital and that's where he passed away. So uh, that's uh, that's how he passed. Um, again, she said that they decided to bury him here. Uh, the plan was for him to go to Tallahassee. But um, that's that's not what happened. I, I did calling him. Uh, I, I spoke to her and I spoke to his son. Also, I found that he had a son in Indiana who. Um, who was still alive. And um, he. Um, let's see, uh, I, I called him. He was 53 years old at the time. I was 22. And I just recently spoke to him. Oh, now I'm 53 now. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he's in his 80s. So this is a long time ago, but um, we we reconnected. He remembered me this last time. 
But back to Marjorie Ely, uh, what's the name of his sister? Uh, Rube Lacey's uh, sister was named Marjorie Ely in Los Angeles. Um, and she pretty much wrapped up with, uh, uh, oh, one thing that I did get to do was I played her Hamhound Crave, his record, and she recognized it. She said, yeah, that's him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I had that moment. That was a really neat. I played it over the phone and she said, yeah, that's him. That's him. That's him. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So she special for her. Yeah. 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 It was. It was. Um, from that point on, when I learned that he didn't have a tombstone, um, well, I thought um, he should have a tombstone here in Bakersfield. And uh, that's when we started. Uh, that's when I started the uh, process of, of uh, securing that permission and the information and getting some funds, a fundraiser up. So, so how did you locate the actual site? Did the family remember or did you have a uh, did you get the 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 death certificate or what did you have? Well, I, how I found out was a cemetery. I, I took a guess. It was one of the older cemeteries and it was uh, one of the uh, one of the working cemetery, working class cemeteries. Mm -hmm. uh, my family's buried there. Also, um, so I, I took a guess at that cemetery and sure enough, he was there and I went out to the cemetery and the, uh, maintenance guy was there and he was able to find, um, I, I went to the office, they gave me the coordinates he was able to find the coordinates. So we found them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then that's when I seen the side where, where he was buried and it was really it, amazing to me especially at this time, because everything was, we're still magical. I'm so young and to be touching or to be near uh, where uh, Rue Blasey was buried and to be near the teacher's son house. This was just yeah. amazing. You know, it was like being in front of the, the, the blues gods for me. Um, and uh, that, I, I think that's kind of where my uh, history, uh, that's where my, uh, it's kind of where I got my little click for history too. So it's so, amazing. Yeah, it's getting those rewards. So when did uh, the stone when does this when did the stone go in? What's that? When was the stone? So, so the stone went in in 1992. What we did is we had a fundraiser. And at the time I knew a lot of the cool bands around town and I and everybody knew who Sunhouse was and Robert Johnson. And um, we had a fundraiser. I have one of the original posters. And uh, this is one of the original posters. A friend of mine did a. Uh, there's oh, a wow. Plane. And uh, he did a nice little job for me at the time. Very nice. Right. And if I bring that closer, just oh yeah. We have our bands and uh it was on Father's Day. Uh-huh. So Very you cool. at the bottom it mentions it's for Rublacy. Uh-huh. Oh wow. Yeah, so um so we raised the money for the tombstone there. And I was able to call um the family. And I needed the permission to get uh, the tombstone ready. 
So his daughter wrote a letter. This letter, unfortunately, got saturated with oil, but I think the oil kind of preserved it. Um, this is this is the letter from his daughter. Oh wow! And um, his daughter's name was uh, let's see if I, Ruby Powell Thomas. Ah, was his daughter's name? But she was named for her dad. Right. Oh wow. Right. So this is her letter that she sent to me and uh, I'll read it. Uh, it says, Dear Mr. Gabe Soria, I'm writing you in regards to tombstone being put on the Reverend Reuben Lacey's grave. I am his daughter, Ruby Thomas. You have my permission to put a tombstone on his grave. If there is any questions or you need to contact me, you can reach me and she lists her phone number. And uh, she uh, was sincerely yours, Ruby Powell Thomas. Oh, wow. And one thing I have to mention, uh, throughout this whole process of me going down and finding this, I have Shannon Harris guiding me through this. He's, I'm calling him, and uh, it, this was over a, a period of time. I remember his wife was alive at mm -hmm. the time. And she had passed. So there'd been maybe like maybe a year and a half of this process. And uh, he told me, he was telling me to look at the city directories. Um, he was telling me, um, he told me how to call. And he told me that I needed to get, he told me that I needed to contact the relatives. Mm -hmm. So he, he, uh, for me that he also told me that I needed to get three independent sources to make sure that we could validate that he was buried. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Uh, and your three so, sources were um the funeral were, were the the funeral home the or, death I'm certificate. Sorry, the death certificate and uh his his family's witness testimony. Uh-huh. Very cool. Yeah, so he guided me all through that, and I was sending him this information, all the the scans and all the uh, paper, mm -hmm. uh, all the information I found. He kept it in his file, and <laughs> I guess they took his file, his files at at the at, at Oxford. They took all his records, so uh, I'm assuming up at, that up at Ole Miss, Oxford, Ole Miss, yeah, right, okay, cool, right. So I'm assuming that everything's down there. Very um, cool. So that was really, so that was kind of really neat to like read this book and then soon have this guy, uh, Shannon Harris, you know, be nice enough to guide me through it. Uh-huh. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So we uh, were able to get the money for the tombstone and uh, we placed a tombstone there. We, we didn't have a big ceremony or anything. The, uh, the cemetery actually went out and placed a stone. Uh -huh. yeah, I just dropped it off and they placed a stone there. Some people went by. Even up to uh, a couple of years ago, uh, people were calling me from the original event uh, to raise the funds just to go out there and look because they never been out there. Uh -huh. so, um, yeah, so we were able to get that stone and it's there today. Is there a Mississippi Blues Trail marker out there? No, no, there's not. We uh, we need to get one. I know. Again, we're we're here in Baker, so I want to get um, 
we've grown the, the, the town's grown a lot and um it's uh blues is real popular here in uh -huh. uh, rock and roll and country music of course uh bakersfield being mm -hmm. going to haggard uh, so there's a lot of interest in music, and uh, we're hoping to get uh, a little bit more interest uh, back to Rublacing. Nice, right? I yeah, think they so need a, I still think they need a Mississippi Blues Trail marker. I think we should lobby for one. What, wow, that'd be interesting. We that, could do it. Be... You, you and I could do it. We could do it. Uh, you know, I, I got. Think we... I, I know the. I, I got people. <laughs> we got people, Gabe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. We that's can do true. this. If you want yeah. to do it, let's do it. I think I, yeah, I, I think I would like to do that. Well, well, yeah, let's but, make it happen. Yeah, let's make it happen. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah I, I'm, that sounds great. I, I'm, I'm serious. Let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Let's do, do now, I, do, do they have any markers outside of Mississippi? Yes, they do. I'm not oh, sure where they, they are, um, but I know I've, I, I know I read on the, on the Blues Trail they do. Okay. Yeah. But hey, I don't know if they have one in California, but it doesn't matter. We need to make sure they have one in California. Right, right, right. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 we should. People come from all over the world to do the Blues Trail. And what they'll do is they'll come, let's say, I, I met some people this summer, and they're from, uh, they were from the Netherlands. Is and that right? they did, uh, they said that bef the year before they had done Northern Mississippi, and they had gone all around, up around Bahalia and Holly Springs and up there. Right. And then that the two years ago, they had gone down to the Gulf Coast because they were also doing New Orleans. So that was the first year they had done it was they and they started on the Gulf Coast. And so they went to the ones down there. And they're that I, I don't know that there's that many down there. And so uh, I was talking to him. I said, well, you need to come up to East Mississippi because we have several because that's that's where um, Book of White was from and um, right. uh, Big Joe Williams and some others. So they were like, oh, yeah. I said, oh, and then, you know, you got to throw in Elvis. You can always go to Elvis's house if you come this way. Right. So next year they're planning to come up here. But this they, they rent a camper from RV America. And they wow. stay at state parks. And they go to go to they do the blues trail. I mean, and I and they said that there's whole groups of people that do that and they have websites and Facebook groups and I I mean it's a great way to bring tourist dollars. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it would uh, and it also brings a lot of recognition to where they're uh, where they have these markers at. Absolutely. And and the thing about it is is that these communities that where most of these markers are tend to be underserved and undervisited african-american predominant communities and right. so you know my thing is is i'd love to see more of those tourist dollars go into descendant populations right you know actually through their businesses or or how how you know buying purchasing items that you know are from those exactly. families exactly if we could get some money into those communities um, and, uh, the, the cemetery where the marker would be placed would be a relative, it's still an African-American community. So, uh, that would, uh, that would also. Uh, That's awesome. Going. So what condition is that, is that cemetery in? Is it fairly, is it fairly well tended and kept? It's, yeah, the cemetery is, it's the oldest cemetery in the city. It has the uh, founders buried 
there. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, the cemetery is from the 18, uh, 1870s. Oh, wow. So they have a, uh, so with a lot of those, you know, there's a, a Spanish War Memorial. There's uh, all the uh, historical events. Oh, that's pretty uh, awesome. There you could still see uh, places where all of the Masons are buried all together. You uh -huh. can still see that out there. Oh, that's it's really fun. neat to see. The, yeah, you know, and uh, um, going out and looking for Rublace and getting in this, uh, it also... Uh, you can't help but walk around the cemetery and once you get that history bug and if you're someone who likes to read about history um it just all the all, all the treasure that's there uh -huh. and, um that's really cool yeah so so have you uh, been to mississippi yet no i haven't no i haven't i've i've basically yeah i've like just been around the southwest I hope to branch out finally after. after well, you're going to uh, have to come this way and, and see right. where Charlie Patton lived and Sunhouse, where Charlie and Sunhouse and Willie Brown played and some of the other early greats. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, I can't wait to get out there. It's uh, it's amazing, you know, that we had uh, just Rube Lacey in, in, in my town. Yeah. You know? I, I never thought that I would be able to touch touch you know any, anything that that happened out there or be close and to be able to uh, go down streets that Rube Lacey you uh -huh. know would go down and uh to see his house and to talk to people who knew him uh yeah. but, you know I, I, to me it's, it's these are walking living legends you know right right and we forget that they they didn't ex they weren't exactly living the high life no it was an everyday struggle. It was a hard work being, being a pastor or a blues man. I don't know which one was harder. Right. You know, and with, with Rube Lacey, I mean, just everywhere he went, I mean, it's, it's hot out here in California. He, he, he was in the desert and uh, everyone was working hard around him. You know, nobody was. So it, uh, so I would suspect that it was when they found him. I mean, he was preaching, but he was preaching in a uh, hardworking community, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah. and and it's still that community. Oh, wow. It, yeah, it's still a, the, the places where he preached at and everything. It's still that community. And even if different people, different groups of people moved in, it's still the same story. Uh huh. Just being repeated, maybe somebody singing a uh Maybe they're singing rancheras or something like that, or uh -huh. thing. But it's still the blues. So, what year did he die? Uh, he died in 1969. He uh, died in November of 1969, and that's kind of where I seen the city directory end. So I kind of knew uh, to look in that uh, to look in that window. Uh huh. Uh, I looked directories on, are significant in research. I use them a lot in my research. Right. It's a, right. it's, it's, it's interesting to see. You can also find where neighborhoods have been moved or eradicated or gentrification happened or, cause you'll find whole areas that disappear. What was amazing on, on a side note, I, I had taken a, like a year of real estate classes at a community college so I kind of knew how they would uh, zone everything just, and uh, I, I kind of had awareness of that. 
So when I was looking for Rublesi, I looked all the way back to the 1920s to see maybe if he lived here or if he had family out here, you know, what was the connection to Bakersfield? When I did that, I came across uh, the old zoning maps of the city and you can, and I was able to see for the first time uh, the discrimination yeah, and how they had the, the African-American part of town was put in the lowest part of town and the white part of town was on, was on the hill mm-hmm. and all of that appreciated so much. And these houses are, were built differently and they didn't appreciate as much. Yeah. So I was able to, uh, all through my life, I was able to make those connections, you know, while they couldn't send their kids to a, to a college and they were able to get that equity and it appreciated mm-hmm. from then on, you know, it just snowballed as the family got more educated and this one had to just work from job to job as it went on. So, uh, that was per, that was something that I had seen, um, researching the maps and stuff, trying to see where, uh, uh, where Rue Blasey was. Um, so as land has become built on and less available, uh, is gentrification happening in the communities where, in the community where he lived? Like, are those houses no. being torn down and, or are they being sought after as? What, what, what's happened? There's uh, in, in that neighborhood where Rue Blasey, um lived it's become uh, more uh, hispanic there's been more immigration uh a lot of uh, a lot of african americans have moved to different parts of the city um some um some so it's just turning it's just rolling over but staying the same staying the same it's still you still have housing projects there they're just brand new uh-huh you know but you still have housing projects uh, you still, I bet it's still an African American, it's still the, uh, an African American part of town. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but it's still, the conditions are still the same. They, they haven't changed in, uh, 60 years, you know, uh, you know, in the 60 years since he's, uh, since he was there, it's about the same. It even looks the same. Oh, wow. Yeah. It even looks the same. I mean, the houses just have the roofs are kind of like sunk in, you know, and things like uh-huh. that. Yeah. So. That's unfortunately very common. Right, right. But um, again, it was uh, this whole experience of uh, finding Rue Blasey and um, it's it's brought me in, in contact with uh, a lot of people. It's brought me in contact uh, with your dad, who, uh, again, you know, to me, these, you know, uh, these are like the history blues gods to me, you know. Uh-huh. So it was just amazing, you know, uh, uh, with social media and us being able to uh, contact each other, uh, um, it's brought it's brought me in contact with, with a lot of different people. Um, it's brought me an awareness of um, um, of history in, in, in my community. Um, it's brought me an awareness of uh, when I play my music and I go out and play do, do my stuff. It's it's uh, helped me there. So. Um, I would just encourage anybody, if you think you're away, far away from the blues, take a good look around your community. Take a good look around. You might find somebody who moved there and um, it, everything could be complete or there could be some incomplete things that you could bring about and that you can publish. 
And uh, if you find that, uh, you should send that to Mount Zion. <laughs> well, we'd like that. So right. uh, do you have any projects you're working on right now in this area? Yeah, what I'm working on. Um, so since the blues, I've uh, I've researched a lot of my own Mexican-American stuff, and I found a whole and that's everything that I learned about Rube Lacey and going through that process has helped me in finding my own cultural background and there's events that I'm looking those. So uh, I, I, so what I do now is I write songs about little known cultural uh, historical events that happened in California. Oh, wow. So there's uh, so in my town um, we had lynchings and there were lynching Mexican and there were lynching Mexicans out mm -hmm. here. So um what, so the past projects I've had was uh, writing a song about that and uh, and having that played about uh, a, a Mexican boy who was lynched in Bakersfield. Um, I've had a, there there was also a Mexican American battle uh, during the Mexican American War in San Pedro where the Mexicans actually won and they uh, were able to uh, um, take over Los take Los Angeles back for six months. Oh wow. I yeah, so I wrote for that long. I, I'm I vaguely remember studying that when I lived in yeah, California. It's called the Battle of the Old Woman's Gun, mm -hmm. and uh, they were able to uh, the Californianos were able to uh, get um, get their troops up, and they were able to uh, the, to win that battle. And the Americans went back to Monterey. So uh, I went down there and sung at the mission, and they brought oh, me wow. down so, um, again all of the research that I did with Rue Blasey really helped me to research these, these events. So, um, so it's uh, helped me beyond Rue Blasey also. Oh, that's it's really cool. A great experience. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. And uh, I, I'd like to uh, continue learning more about Rue Blasey and the work he did as well as his blues journey. If right. anyone would like to learn more about our work with the Mount Zion Memorial Fund, we'd like you to join us at mountzionmemorialfund.com. And again, I'm Shannon Evans with Gabriel Soria, and we were talking about Rube Lacey. Thank you, and I hope you join us again.